going on, everybody? Welcome to the Unapologetically 90s Podcast. I'm Matt Sullivan, joined by my co-host, Christian Glaum. What's up, everybody? Each week, we're going to dust off one of our old CDs and cassettes and dedicate an episode to it. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Ray, welcome back. Episode four, Unapologetically 90s Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Sullivan. With my boy Christian. What up? And we're going to run down another album for you today. We're doing Nirvana's Unplugged in New York. Such an iconic album to me. MTV's Unplugged in New York. MTV's (laughs) Unplugged in New York. Excuse me. Um, I still have the cassette for this. Well, the cassette case. I don't know what happened to the actual cassette. Oh. But, you know, it still has the insert and everything. I still have that, I'm sure, too. uh, With the cassette, probably. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. That may be a collector's item one day. Maybe. Uh, As a kid, I read that insert at least 100 times. Yeah. I would, um, on the way to school, I'd have my Walkman, um, you know, just jamming out on the school bus to some Unplugged and... While I'm listening, just reading the insert. Yeah. It was just... I kind of missed that. All, like, the live shots and everything, too, from the performance. I kind of missed, you know, having a physical copy of an album with an insert. Yeah. It always just added a nice... You know, it was like a a prize. A lot of times I don't know the names of songs anymore because you're not sitting there, like, memorizing the the little booklet anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, Um, I know this song. What the hell is it called? You know, there was multiple problems with rehearsals um you know at the time kurt was in full-blown addiction and withdrawal yeah there's stories about him like having mtv people like go get him dope just so that he could fucking they were up apparently you know like they were up his ass because the set list was not what they wanted yeah um but it's crazy to think you know for such an iconic album and performance uh, it almost didn't happen, you know. Like the the day of, they almost pulled the plug on it. Yeah, could you imagine? Yeah, but it. Yeah, you know, I always go back and think about what could have been had Kurt not left us too early, and if we had thirty years of Nirvana. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't. Maybe you would still have Foo Fighters, but maybe not to the extent. Yeah, you never know. Because I heard Dave was planning on trying to put out some shit on his own at that point anyway. So like that's why I said maybe it still might. But I could, yeah, I could only imagine the, the songs we'd have from Nirvana by this point. They could suck now. You never know. That's true, too. So, you know, they, they have the legacy, and it's, it's a small sample size. But as a 90s kid, if you didn't listen to Nirvana, you were you were fucked up (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess there's no other way around it yeah well all right let's get to the track rundown first song about a girl i I remember this one from bleach like how kurt right off says this off a first record most people don't know it i was one of those people that didn't know the song at first yeah you know i started with um never mind i did too but i always had a thing where i worked backwards like whenever a band would come out a thing i'd be like did they have one before this you know and then i'd go and work backwards with bands well you know with this is 1994. Yeah. Um, this is really when I first started, you know, finding my sound in music as a kid. Yeah. And, you know, Nirvana was all over the radio. Smells like Teen Spirit. So it was like Nevermind and this were my first two 
albums right. of Nirvana, so <clears throat> I did not know about a girl. I, I was a super fan. Like I remember um, In Utero coming out. I think that one came out on my birthday, actually. Oh, yeah? I think so. I think right. it was September 21st, like, 93 or 94 or something. Yeah. Um, the way it starts off, though, like you can just you tell like kurt's voice comes in so powerful yeah and it just it grabs your attention right away and it sucks you in um it, for the longest time you know misheard lyrics i always thought he said i don't need no measly friends oh. i didn't know he 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 didn't need an easy friend yeah <laughs> yeah it's a little little bit different there um the fucking puddle of mud remake was was hilarious it what? went viral i don't know if, if anybody's seen that but it was what a f- fucking train wreck that oh was. my god it was painful it was painful to endure <laughs> um this was like the, uh i was saying i work backwards with stuff like i i learned i knew this song so much in particular because i went to buy the nevermind songbook and or steal it whichever i was gonna do but it, it wasn't there and the only one they had from nirvana was bleach so i was like all right i'll grab it so i think i grabbed the songbook and the cassette like together and i was just like all right and that was that yeah so this you know i listened to it a bunch and this was like the song just really was my favorite off of it so i learned it you know on on the guitar but it was like i feel like it was the first song i ever mastered like i knew the guitar solo and could sing it and play it and you know it's just this uh, was the opening song off of bleach too wasn't it no it was like the third song the third song yeah i think so okay all right let's move on to come as you are um the bass line in this song has become almost iconic it, it is iconic. It, yeah, it's it, the acoustic version. I think is better than the original. I'm, you know, I'm a little more partial to acoustic music. Yeah, it's you know when you strip down a song and bring it to its roots. I, I thought the guitar solo was awesome on acoustic. So like, yeah, I feel you on that. It's you know, as a musician, stripping down a song to its roots, it brings out the you know the creativity and the musical genius it it shows a song for what it is like a good song is a good song whether you have a lot of production or it's just it and if your songs translate well the way theirs did into acoustic then in my opinion then it's just it's a good song because you can't play a good song bad you know right like, right it's still a good song like you know the they have um the lady playing the cello throughout this Lori whole performance goldstein or something yeah. was her name like that something like that but the, that cello just you know it adds another layer to a song that originally is so heavy and and loud and hard but it brings it down to you know brings it back down to earth almost yeah and, you know puts it in front of a like like the audience it's an intimate crowd in that it's not like they're playing in front of thousands of people yeah it was a small little room yeah this this one uh, it was funny because uh, the theme was probably like, the only song MTV was happy with because they wanted all of the hits quote unquote you know yeah yeah they definitely uh, gave MT a, MTV a big middle finger with some of the things they did yeah but they but wanted they, they, wanted, do- they wanted Teen Spirit and you right. know like yeah they wanted probably they wanted Heart Shaped Box yeah all that, but in bloom yeah and you know they just wanted to do it their way yeah. <clears throat> all right let's move on to jesus doesn't want don't want me for a sunbeam um the thing that always stuck out to me about this song was the accordion i know you have that in your notes there uh, yeah chris novoselic went and played the accordion dave Grohl played bass like they did a little change up on this song yeah this was 
as a kid watching this on TV, I just I thought the drummer played drums, the bass player played bass, the guitar player played guitar. Yeah. I, I didn't know at the time that people could do that or did yeah, that. Yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, I play drums, so stay in my lane. Yeah, and you, you know, years later, now we have Dave Grohl as a frontman of another. So obviously, iconic, you know, he can play stringed instruments. Yeah, you know, and sing his ass this. off yeah. too at the same time. He always did the harmonies with Nirvana, so you knew he could yeah. sing. He did it in this. I that kind of blew my mind as a kid, just seeing Dave playing drums and with singing with the mic right next to his face singing yeah. harmony and you know i just at the time i never knew that was possible yeah and it kind of I, I guess it was almost like my first foray into live music yeah to an extent you know because yeah. i i don't really think i'd been to a concert at that time or anything along those lines yeah i hadn't been at that point either i think i did my first concert in 96 yeah you see we were still little kids yeah i was in third grade or something um, speaking of being little kids, my mom played uh, accordion, and um, I got her to learn. Oh know, shit! She sat here and like figured this out, and like. We so what? You were sitting there jamming yeah, on the guitar me, while she was me, playing yeah, my accordion. Mom played this, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, the man who sold the world, David Bowie cover. Yeah, not a Nirvana original as we know now. Um, the bass line in this song is so catchy. Just Dude, the, it's like the way he walks it up, and <clears throat> yeah, it's. It flows so well it's with the one of the most like popular covers ever from everything I always see. I, I've listened to the original and it's it almost sounds nothing like the original. What's well, yeah, Bowie was definitely well, not Nirvana, you know. Well, and Bowie was also a lot more eccentric than Nirvana yeah. That's, at the that's same what I'm time. saying. Like it's they're not of the same cloth. Yeah, it's if you had heard the original first. And then listen to this, you wouldn't think it would work. Yeah. But it, it works perfectly. And it ended up gaining a lot of radio play because it worked so well. And yeah. I guess, you know, with the name factor of Bowie behind it. But they um they pissed MTV. This is one of the many MTV piss off moments was um they wanted everything like strictly, strictly acoustic and um Kurt Put a distortion pedal on the uh, the riff. The -na 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 -na. Yeah, you, know, you hear it get all grimy and like he just he wouldn't do it without it. And you know MTV was so against it, and he just fucking did it anyway. All right, let's move on to Penny Royalty uh, solo performance. Yeah, that um, they they couldn't get this one right when they were practicing it, you know, um, and they, they didn't know how they were going to do it. So then Kurt's like, am I doing this one by myself? And I think you hear Dave do it. Just, just don't fucking do it by yourself or something. Yeah. In between, in between, uh, songs. <laughs> yeah. They were like, uh, all right, if I screw this one up or something along those lines. Yeah. Like they have some back and forth over it. They, they did a lot of this throughout the album. And some of it's, it seemed forced, but all, some of it seemed natural at the same time. And, um, this is another one. I just want to know, what is Penny Royalty? Penny Royalty comes from uh, Kurt's thing with his stomach issues that are, you know, well documented or whatever, if anybody follows Nirvana like that. But um, it, it was a tea that was like uh, supposed to be good for your stomach. Um, so someone with like Crohn's or something like that yeah. would benefit from <clears throat> drinking Penny Royalty? Exactly. See, I didn't even know this is something that you could buy, like, what, like GNC or something? I don't think it's like that. I think it's like a weird, 
a weird thing. Like, I'm not all that familiar. And I could be a little off on exactly what it is, but it's something along those lines. Maybe we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Or, like, I could be even darker. It could be something like <laughs> it, it was for, like, getting rid of pregnancies or something. It might even be darker. Like, I remember... It's so, I've, like, I've heard things about it. Well, I can't lyr- remember which is, which is accurate. Lyrically, it's one of the weirder songs. And... I'm on warm milks and laxative. Yeah. But... You know, even though most of his lyrics were strange, this is a little more out in left field than most. Yeah, it's definitely a weird one. All right, well, the next song is Dumb. Oh, what a song. Um, I cover this all the time still in my band and all. Oh, during your gigs and all that, too? Or? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the same I, had a, um, I had a t-shirt I bought from Blockbuster Music. Blockbuster Music. Yes, Blockbuster Music. Um, the front was a picture of Kurt from Unplugged, you know, with the with the sweater on uh-huh. and on the back it said the sun is gone but i have a light and then it said 67 to 94 see, i think i've seen that shirt i had that i had that shirt for a long long time i tried to hold on to it for as long as i could but you know after washing it probably a thousand times it was starting to get holes <clears throat> yeah that's that's the way all my nirvana shirts it, went and they. it was a it was a white tee yeah. as well so you know how well those hold yep Probably got all faded and then started thinning out, getting holes. Yeah, this this is another song where the acoustic version is better than the original to me. Agreed on that. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Polly. Um, I always had a question about this song, and is is Polly a hostage? Polly is a rape victim. A rape victim. Um, yeah. Like Kurt, the legend of has it, or what I've heard about this one is that Kurt read about some pieces of shit in the newspaper um you know it raped somebody and he went and wrote this song and this was about um about that story that he read it just always it came across as such a strange song to me yeah well that's that's what it is yeah let's move on to uh on a plane The, the opening line in this song probably one of my all-time favorite like Kurt lyrics you know this whole song is just lyrically amazing it's such a good song but it tells you what type of state of mind he was in even back when he wrote this on Nevermind is start this song without any words got so high scratched till I bled yeah like yeah it's uh what what was the the montage of heck oh yeah yeah like (laughs) that's a great documentary the montage yeah if you if Anybody who's listening hasn't watched the montage of Heck, please do. It, it gives you a real, real, a real inside pers- look. It's yeah, perspective wild. It's, of the type of shape he was in. Yeah, it's fucking wild. Like him and him Courtney, and Courtney. Yeah, Jesus, I, I'm brushing my teeth. Look at my titties. <laughs> I remember watching. I was like, holy <laughs> like, fuck, these people are out of their minds. Yeah, it's, it's wow. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, like, I played the shit out of this song on Nevermind, and when I heard this acoustic. It was just, like, it blew my mind. It's drop D. It's got that drop D goodness. Yeah. All right, next song is Something in the Way. Um, This is such a dark song. It sounds like imminent death. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's so fucking eerie with the strings and all. It really, like, the, the string section makes it even sound more dark yeah. than it was on uh, Nevermind. Yeah, dude, on it's more riffy than it is on Nevermind. On like Nevermind, he's like doing that doom doom, just like strumming. On this, he's doom 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 doom. Like he riffs it out. You know, it's I, I kind of thought it was cool. It it works great. Like it's a 
straight depression self-loathing song yeah it's that, super depressing and then like we were talking about earlier they used it on the trailer for the new batman movie yeah and they they made it work perfectly like the the trailer is dark as hell and yeah, then the, to put this in there like i don't even care now like i want to see the movie just because of the trailer and the use of the song yeah even though apparently it's under a lot of uh a lot of problems is it yeah, <laughs> yeah a lot of things these days are yeah all right let's move on to plateau so um i have a funny story about this song this is the this song is the soundtrack to me knocking myself out i want to uh this song it was the summer of 2004 we um my boy got a house he inherited it from his grandparents um his grandmother was a little person you know like little person yeah i can i can picture a little so person the house was semi retrofitted for a little person and like in the kitchen um the counters weren't lowered but there was a little platform around the border of the counters to stand on okay so anyways um there was one night i went to bed early i had a couple too many Shasta Colas. <laughs> so I'm in the upstairs bedroom sleeping. <clears throat> I wake up, I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta pee really bad. And I wake up and I'm laying in bed and I'm like, do I wanna get up and go to the bathroom or not? And decisions, decisions. Yeah, you know, like one of them, like, you know, oh, if I get up, like maybe if I go back to sleep, it'll go away. Yeah. But I can hear my buddies downstairs, they're still awake. I don't know what time it is. Uh uh-huh. And they got unplugged in New York playing on the radio and Plateau's playing. And, you know, I make the decision, like, all right, I got to go to the bathroom. So I walk out of the bedroom fast. And as soon as you walked out of the bedroom, to the right was the bathroom. Now, mind you, his grandmother's a little person, right? Okay. I forgot about about this aspect of the story. The door frame to the bathroom is not normal height. It is little person height. Uh, And in my haste to go to the bathroom, I walked right into the... Head down, just... Yep, head down, (laughs) boom, boom, right into the door frame, knocked myself out, and I'm laying laying in the hallway, seeing stars, and all I hear is, there's nothing in the top with a bucket and a bottle. (laughs) So every time I hear this song, I think of my... Me, you know, knocking myself. Yeah, Yeah. he got knocked the fuck out. (laughs) Pretty much, self-inflicted, totally. Yeah, and I did end up going to the bathroom in case anybody's wondering. In your pants or in the toilet? No, in the toilet. Okay. Yeah, just we had to specify. Yeah, I had to make sure I ducked before I walked in the bathroom. Good job. (laughs) Well, plateau. I don't know if it's plateaued with that story, Um, (laughs) but I didn't know who the meat puppets were um, when this came out, and. MTV was like super mad because they would like want to Pearl Jam. They're like, who the fuck are the meat puppets? And they bring these guys out, you know. Um, but this song, like, I always thought was cool because the riff, like, there's a little intricacy that's like hard to hear going on in there where it just sounds like he's going, ding, 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 ding. He's doing this little technique with his thumb where he's actually rolling off like the top three strings. So it's like, do, 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 do. Like, it's actually like a little. You hear it a few times. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like kind of like playing this fast thing in between i just always thought was cool like i didn't realize he was doing it until i got the songbook for this 
and then you figured out how to play it on a guitar and you realized yeah that's that, what I'm saying like I saw it on there and I was like oh that's right. how it's done yeah you know but I was such a novice like playing guitar back then you know I was a kid yeah that's this is when you're cutting your chops yeah that's what I'm saying like I put I didn't pick up on it until I got the songbook and I'm like oh shit like look what he's actually doing like, so is that was, something was that boom, 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 boom. was that something that took you a little extra time to learn because that was a technique you just didn't to, know to this at the day time? i still don't really i'm not good at no. that technique. it's not something i fuck with all that much so like i probably really couldn't play that song i could play it in these days but i probably couldn't play it cleanly and consistently you'd you know fuck I mean? it up a couple times yeah like i'd have to like hammer on it to like get it consistent <laughs> and have to turn into muscle memory at yeah, that point like it's 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 not a technique i often use so the last question i have about this song is are we supposed to clean the plateau when we get there with I mean, the bucket in the mop or, or are we, we supposed to read a book? About birds. Yeah. But there's not a lot there. Well, I guess there's not a lot to clean. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you have in your notes, the hook is sick, and I thought maybe you had a... Uh... No, just nothing other than just it's so catchy, you know? Nothing about uh, what else is I got possibly you. up there. About the hidden but meaning behind say, it. Who needs actions when you got words? Fair enough. All right, let's move on to Oh Me. Let's do it. We... Probably shouldn't, because you and I have the same note in here. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's my, know, my least favorite. It's, on it's my least favorite song as well. It's I listen to it, but you know, there's I skip it's, it. See, it's a, it's another cover, you know, and I, I we I didn't know the Meat Puppets before this, but I checked them out. And I'm not a huge fan, yeah. I listened so. to like Plateau by the Meat Puppets, and it was like, man, this is yeah, kind of not good. Just, like Nirvana just kind of did their magic to these songs, you know. Like, yeah. but this one, I was like, oh, all right. Well, let's move on to Lake of Fire then. Um, this song kid, was the fucking jam. I love dude. this song. This me too. The um, the guitar riffs are great. Yeah, you know, they're masterfully done. Um, as a kid, I couldn't get enough of this song, and it kind of gave me my definition of what a hell is. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can do. You feel this song like you just feel like you're. Yeah, like you just start sweating listening to this song because yeah. your your feet are burning up. And yeah, and dude, and Kurt's voice is insane on this one. Like, I love his voice on this. Yeah, it cuts it cuts right through you. His... Yeah, it's it's fucking Oop. good. We got dogs. We got dogs. <laughs> all right, next song is All Apologies. Uh, this is my top track, and this may be my top Nirvana track of all time. Oh wow! Okay, I, I know there's it's so hard to choose, but it, I don't know what it is about this song, but it just draws me in every single time. Like the the hook and the melodies. And it's killer guitars in this too. Like even the guitars are catchy. Like it's a single, like every part of this song is sing-alongable. I think that's why, you know, it, it might be that one for you. Yeah. Like in um in the In Utero version, you know, when he, they have the uh, the break. And it, Mary. Yeah. Do, 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 do. And, you know, like the drums hit so hard yeah, on that big, version. Echoey and boomy, reverby drums. Yeah. They do it on this acoustically, and that's when Dave has those like you you said they're hot rods, but yeah. they look like them little fucking things that have the LED lights on the end that you give the kids <laughs> at like the fair. Yeah. And he still he's smacking the shit out of the drums, even with you know not a drumstick. And yeah, so they didn't want him to be loud. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go on to uh, Where Did You Sleep Last Night? This is my top track. It's a good choice. Dude, I fucking love this song. Oh, my God. Dude, the... the uh, From what I know like, and what I see, uh, I think it's like the only time Kurt opens his eyes when he's singing is when he takes like that big breath, 
you know, in, in the in the pause at the very end, like yeah. last, and then he like takes a big breath, nah, you know, and it just fucking it comes back in, the cello's there and all, like it's just something about it, like that's like a moment in this in the performance to me. Yeah, when he screams, this it gives me chills every time. It it cuts right through you, you know. It's like another yeah. I have the same exact note. Chills give me screams every time. Yeah, it's like it, looking back. It, it's it's almost like a premonition to his, you know, untimely death. This whole like the whole setup, but this song in particular, it just it screams straight pain. Like he was, even though it's about like a girl cheating on you, like and you're skeptical of where she was. Yeah, it, it's. You know, like you can tell, like he was struggling bad. Yeah, like just the feeling of the whole thing. Um, Kurt picked every detail of the performance, like down to um, uh, the baby's breath and everything on the the stage. I think that's what his baby's breath. But he wanted it to feel like a funeral, so whatever, like those funeral. Flowers oh yeah, it even could... came down to like the type of flowers that were arranged on that's, the stage. That's what I'm saying. Like he picked every detail of it, you know. And and to me, this song just feels like it captured the vibe that he wanted the performance to to put out there you know what i mean like it's, this just it just all came together to me on this for the for the finale and it was like literally the perfect finale for what that performance was i was just about that you took the words right out of my mouth when i was saying this is probably like the best ending song to an album and like every time i hear this song you know, I visualize in my head the ending credits rolling yeah. from the live, you know, the TV yep. performance, and you know, the the credits are rolling, but the song is still playing and Kurt's still singing, and you know, like they took the camera off of him, yeah, and that's where like the, you know, you get that feeling of like you, it almost projects like how he's feeling, yeah, and then you know that's it, like, and then it ends. And, Thank you. Good night. Um, last time we probably ever see you live. For the you know, yeah, it, it was only it wasn't long after. I, I can't remember the exact timeline, but I feel like this this album came out after his death, right? Um, no, I think he was still alive. Wasn't he? It was released November first, ninety four. They recorded it in ninety three. Um, he died in April of ninety four. Yeah, you're right, and yeah, he was. Because I remember Kurt Loder breaking in on MTV News. Yeah, I remember that. Clear yeah. as day. That was like a... And the Courtney crying and reading the, the note and yeah, all. Yeah, that and was a total fucking gut punch. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sure anybody who's our age can remember that whole... Like, like I said, Kurt Loder breaking in to MTV News and saying, like, you know, Kurt Cobain just killed himself. And as a kid... You know, that was one of my first loves as a child was Nirvana. Yeah. And then as fast as I fell in love with them as a band, gone. Like, just like that. Yeah, it was it was wild. I um I found out about it from some, like, random kids um, before I saw the, the Kurt Loder, you know, breaking in on MTV. Um, we, they, we were, like, going to, on, on a camping trip with my dad. And we stopped um, at some Elks Lodge or something on the way, and 
there were some kids like playing Nirvana on a boombox, you know. So I just went over to say hi to them, and then they ended up like, "Oh, you heard about Kurt?" I'm like, "No, what?" You know, and they told me it was like, "What?" It just know, takes then, the wind right out of your sails. Yeah, I was saying then, like after that, I saw it on the the TV, like, "Come on!" But that was how I found out it was from some random kids in some random town. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up for Unplugged in New York. So good. Iconic. I so fucking. This good. is an, another album that. Yeah, it's still in my rotation today. Yeah. You know, I was just driving around like, eh, what do I want to listen to today? Unplugged. Yeah, it's timeless. Yeah. Like, I don't even care about any of the other Unplugged albums. Like, you know, I know Pearl Jam did one. Jay-Z did one. Yeah. Like, this is the only one I've ever really listened it's, to. Yeah, it's the only one that's really stayed with me, you know. Well, once again, let's move on to your favorite part. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> the Hot 100. Let's do it. So this this episode, we're doing the week of July 6th, 1996. Number one is Bone Thugs. What a song, The Crossroads. Yeah, oh my God, this song with the fucking video and everything. The video was so trippy. You. Yeah. Yeah, like, the video, he was like, like being ascended to heaven or some yeah, shit, it's right? it's so wild. Like, oh man. And Chase, it, Tracy Chapman. Tupac. Tupac. How oh, do shit. you want it? Oh, man. Tupac will be a uh, an album one time that we have to do. Yeah, for sure. As Dude, always, the Macarena is on here. Oh, shit. We got a Macarena sighting. Right. Carrie, always be my baby. I've said this before, and it doesn't matter what year or week we pick. You you have a really, really good chance to see a Mariah Carey on the, the Hot 100. Yeah. Dude, Alanis Morissette, Ironic, that song was huge. That whole album was huge. That, that album true. came in like like fucking gangbusters. Yeah. I own that on CD, Jagged Little Pill. Do you? Yeah. Joel, Who Will Save Your Soul. <laughs> I saw Joel on fucking Conan O'Brien, but it wasn't like... it was. <laughs> you talked about this on an earlier episode. Did I really? Yes. <laughs> uh, I guess because she was in there. Okay, well then... Yeah, she was in that one too. Oh, yeah. All right, well then, I guess you know the story because she did that shitty song. And yeah, wasn't... this is where she like sold out. Yeah, all right. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, this is one of my personal favorites right here. Gin Blossoms, Follow You Down. Oh, man, I remember the Gin Blossoms. That's a good jam right there. La Bouche, Sweet Dreams. Isn't that the, um... Oh, wait. What is... Why do I know that song? Which one are you looking at? What number? 21. 21? I have no idea. Didn't they do uh I thought it was... That might be Sweet Dreams or Made of These, right? Like that Marilyn Manson ended up covering? No, they... That, it's something else. The original that was done by like the Eurythmics or something like that. Never mind. I, wonder. I, I know that song, but I, it's escaping me why. What else we got on here? Leanne Rhymes. Yeah. Man. One twelve and Biggie. One twelve twelve was pretty good. I I I enjoyed them. I know they only had a few hit songs, but Yeah. Remember that song Peaches and Cream? Yeah, I yeah. do. <laughs> do Metallica until it sleeps, so this was like the the load era. Mm-hmm. Hey get Montel Jordan with the Nutty Professor soundtrack. Yeah. Right right above him, Coolio. Coolio. <laughs> He was on another episode too. Cool yeah, Hootie, and, Hootie and the Blowfish. Good old Hootie, Darius Rucker and company. Well, I got I got our next uh, one hit wonder. What's that? Dishwalla counting blue cars. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Michael Jackson, they don't care about us. Well, you got to offer one again. Oh yeah. How about that? Labouche, be my lover. Now I can picture them. Be my lover, wanna be my. Lover. <laughs> That's who Labouche is. <laughs> 
Smashing <laughs> Pumpkins Tonight Tonight. I was never really a big fan of that album, but um, it gets like a ton of critical acclaim. Yeah. 1979, they got two songs off it on here. Yeah. This album crushed back in the day. Yeah, it really did. Like Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, right? That's... Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's, that's this one. It's crazy how much I can remember about music, but I can't remember my fucking passcode to certain... Or password to shit. Yeah. Yo, there's Jay-Z. Um, and we just uh, did uh, the song on an episode. Which number you got there? 56. Oh, yeah. Look at that. That's the Foxy Brown song. Yeah. That's funny. How about that? And then you got Nas down in uh, number 61. Oh, yeah. Right up, right underneath Sting. Sting. <laughs> Man. You, you still touch me. <laughs> Back where it's at, that was a fucking jam. That guy's good, man, Beck. Yo, this is the jam. Fucking Space Hog in the meantime. Oh, my God, that is the jam right there. That's another one-hit wonder. Yeah, um, holy shit. If you guys don't know Space Hog in the meantime, go check that out. It is so fucking good. Is that the song that's like... Yeah. After all. Yeah. Fucking LL Cool J doing it. Doing it, doing it, and doing it now. Yeah. LL's got a couple on here. There's lounging. Weird Al Yankovic, Amish Paradise. Holy shit. Dude. One of the funniest music videos ever. Remember? Yeah. He's, he's singing the hook and he's just sweating profusely. Yeah. Yeah, he's like like making fun of the original video too. Yeah. That was so good. That was off of uh that was another soundtrack song, Coolio. Oh, it was, yeah. Um Dangerous, Dangerous Minds. Minds. Yep. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Man, she was sexy back in the day. Yeah, she was. <laughs> Cypress Hill in at ninety eight. Man, we got all sorts of good stuff on this one. Yeah, that was a fucking that was a that was a stacked one. You got a Gravity Kills from Seven. I don't remember that. One. I don't know, but Seven, such a fucking awesome movie. Yeah. What's in the box? <laughs> What's in the fucking box? What's yeah. in the fucking box? All right, let's move on to the one hit wonder. I chose this song just because last episode you're like that song sucks. <laughs> It wasn't even on the episode. It was. I oh, think yeah, we, were it was ma- we were just talking before we got started. That's right. We yeah, we were just it. bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> but the Eels, Novocaine for the Soul. That song sucks. I like <laughs> I this song. By, I, I like this song. I was never a fan of this song. Cool. It has like a xylophone in it or something. The doom, 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 Novocaine for the Soul. Like that's only a song Fuck that. That song, man. <laughs> that is only a song that can probably hit the charts in the '90s. Oh yeah, for sure. It's. It's like one of those songs that's so bad, it's good. At yeah. least to me. It missed me, though. That one. Fuck that song. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, then. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> All right. On that note, we're going to wrap that's it up. That's why we're unapologetically 90s, because I don't apologize, because that song sucks. <laughs> I don't apologize that I like that song, so how about that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, well, that about wraps it up. We're just going to leave on that note before we start fist fighting in the middle of the studio. <laughs> little Rochambeau action. Kick you in the nuts. <laughs> Alright. God damn it, you're fucking me up. Tune in next time. Episode 5. We're going hard and heavy with Slipknot. Until then, thanks again for listening. As always, follow us on Instagram, Spotify, Facebook, Unapologetically90s. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts as well, if it's Apple. Um, until then... Give us a like, subscribe, follow, 
you know, Christian's favorite algorithmic bullshit that he's always talking about. And until then, we'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening, folks.